Uh, hey, everyone. It's Russ. Welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. Uh, today, I'm excited to uh, invite a friend on, a friend of many years, as well as a colleague, uh, Perry Chesney. Uh, Perry, welcome. Thanks, Russ. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad you could join us. Uh, you and I have known each other for, I don't know how, how many years it's been now, but quite a few. Um, and we have actually done a pretty good job of keeping in touch and always enjoy our conversations. So I was thinking it might be interesting to kind of share our conversation or one of our conversations with uh, with some folks out there that might be interested in listening in or um, trying to kind of just getting a peek into how we think about things and how we see the world. So to get started, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell people a little bit about who you are and what it is you do. Yeah, uh, my name is Perry Chesney. I'm a, um, I have really two things that I do. I have a, uh, my own wealth management business, much like yours. And then I have a consulting business where I work with other financial advisors, uh, helping them work on their technical skills, their communication skills, their storytelling, whatever it is that, that needs to be done. It's a little bit like a you know, therapy for financial advisors based on what they need. Uh, yeah. Their self-disclosed uh, shortcomings, which uh, is hard to get to sometimes in the financial advisor community because they all think they're great. Well, so I, two main businesses. Yeah, well, I think I think it's interesting that you kind of uh, have your foot in you know um, the world of working with clients, consumers, families, individuals, but also have a direct line of sight into other advisors and um, how they work with their clients, for better or worse. So I think you bring a really interesting perspective to um, probably to both of the um, you know groups that you that you serve. Um, what's something that comes to mind, and maybe it's recent, or maybe it, it kind of uh, dates back a little while. But what's something interesting that comes to mind that you see as a challenge for advisors? Yeah. So let me uh, let me preface it by just kind of a full disclosure. You know, you and I have known each other for now, I think, 25, 30 years. I'd say, at, that. Yeah, I'd say at least 25. Yeah, I've, I've been in Atlanta for 19 and I think we knew each other a little bit before that. And we grew up in the same world and we have many of the same mentors and anti mentors. Right. And I think that it's really important for people uh, to have both, right? There's people we want to emulate and there's people we, we view as a cautionary tale of don't be like that. And, and we have some of the same people in both of those roles because we kind of existed in the same world for a really long time. Yep. Now think about Dave Loper, who most impactful person in my career. Same with you, I believe. And there's some people we knew at our previous firm who we just don't want to ever be that person. Correct. Be like them. But the challenge I think in the industry is we measure things incorrectly. And as a result, when you measure things incorrectly, then the behavior you get is, um, is what you would expect. And what I mean by that is The wealth management business measures success by how many assets you have under management, how many clients you have, and and quite frankly, how much money you make in all the Barons and Forbes and all the things. And I've made those lists, and I was really proud when I made them, but uh, they, they have all these people who do a lot of business, but I believe the industry needs to be focused on client outcomes 
not producer outcomes. And if we could focus on client outcomes, it would be a completely different list. Uh, but it's hard. It's hard to do, and, and especially in, in organizations that are publicly traded. Their revenue matters. It's hard for them to get their heads around that. Well, just as a quick aside, uh, maybe one of my most hated terms in our industry is producer. Um, yeah, I, I think that just uh, has all kinds of negative connotations around it in and of itself. And I think that's kind of indicative of some of the problems you were just kind of highlighting. Um, some of the misaligned incentives that, you know, exist and continue to per- perpetuate kind of across the industry uh, in, in, in certain channels. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that to kind of flip it over to the consumer side of things. So from your uh, experience, both working with advisors and having your own clients, uh, many of whom I know you've worked with for years and years and years. Yeah. What are some of the challenges you see with, um, and this is a big question, what, is, what are some of the challenges you see most often when it comes to your clients? So, you know, actual humans and their relationship with and decision-making uh, abilities, good and bad when it comes to money. Big question, you're, you're right, there's a, there's a lot. I'll give you a couple of things. Uh, and I was thinking about this from last night and I knew we were going to talk is that um, I was thinking about recently, because I've been doing this so long, I now have a bunch of widowed or widower clients who are now having to navigate their financial lives by themselves or, or with me. And in many cases, particularly the women, they have delegated, um, just not been interested in it until all of a sudden they're the only ones available to make the decisions. Right. And they haven't had any practice. So it's a skill set, it's, it's, a, it's a discipline, it's a mindset that takes a while to develop, as you know, and there, you have to have a few, a few nicks and a few scars and have learned some lessons as you and I have some, some really good scars <laughs> that yeah. taught us a lot. Uh, and, and so I think that's the first thing is the, the preparedness thing is this this whole financial literacy, this financial wellness, I believe we're in the financial wellness business. We're not in the financial planning business. We're in the financial wellness business. This, this whole idea that, and I can't remember who, who coined this, but it's so good. Personal finance is way more personal than is finance. Yep, yep. I've used that line many, t- many times. <laughs> it's not mine, but I've used it. Yeah, I stole it from somebody. But, um, but yeah, so this preparedness thing is people aren't ready particularly if they've delegated. Yep. And then I just finished firing off an email before we got on the call to a, to a consulting client. And uh, he was uh, talking about, he's got a new client and they're a moderate risk tolerance client. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> I was going to ask you to, I was going to ask you to define that for us. <laughs> I'm fairly certain he doesn't know what it means either. And, and, and I was, 
I'll say it, telling him as you and I've talked this many times is that uh, it doesn't matter what he's able to tolerate. It matters what he needs to accomplish and then back into it. And then what are the implications if you're wrong? But this idea of, you know, finding the greatest pressure point and applying it, it is, it's just, so I told him throw away your your risk tolerance questionnaires and just talk to the people about their unique, specific goals. And so I think those are two really important things. It's not a competitive sport. It's about you as an individual. And, yes, we can create some, some scale by having using the same things over and over in different combinations, but it's about people's unique goals. Yeah. And harking back to the first point you made about uh, preparedness and um, uh, especially um, for women that have delegated or in some instances abdicated their finances to their husband or financial advisor, whatever the case may be, this new responsibility is thrust upon them at arguably the worst possible time because they're, they're dealing with, uh, you know, emotions and grief. The world's been turned upside down. And now they now on top of that, they've got to navigate this new world that, in my experience, they're very capable of doing. They're just not familiar with, and that that unfamiliarity breeds, um, you know, lack of confidence, lack and, of confidence, yeah, and uh, the, confidence. yeah, and fear of making a decision because they're afraid they're going to make the wrong one, and it's 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 just fraught with a lot of a lot of landmines if if they're not careful. Um, so yeah, I I've seen that firsthand, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that that one specifically. So. Um, We've talked about challenges. What do you think with the clients that you deal with? Um, kind of the other side of the coin. What are, what are the biggest opportunities? I mean, you know, we, we've we've seen and, and lived through some of the bad stuff, whether it's markets or people making decisions that, frankly, aren't in their best interest. But what are some of the opportunities from where you sit, based on uh, your experience on how clients can be better stewards of their financial resources and have more of a financial wellness focus? So one of the things I'm really having, having um, fun with, and, and you have actually helped me with this uh, as well as, as my wife, who's, who's in the financial wellness business, is this whole idea of helping people integrate their values and their money. And, you know, I'm, I know you're a huge proponent of this, and but those conversations, getting, getting people to integrate their lives in a way that <clears throat> how they use their money, how they spend it, how they save it, how they invest it, how they give it away with their personal values is a process that requires some conversations and they're not always easy conversations, particularly if there are a couple because yeah. they, they might not agree right? Uh, or they might have different viewpoints. And so I, I think that, that, that being curious, being um, intellect, intellectually curious, um, being uh, open to new ideas and being willing to think about um, uh, things they haven't thought about before 
are going to be the most important things that they, they, they need to do. Can you maybe give us a little bit more of a practical example about how you would uh, start that dialogue or how you're able to help uh, facilitate uh, people maybe uncovering or getting better clarity around their values and then ultimately how that ties to their, their money? Yeah. And so I, th- I think, you know, one of the things that, that we learned from Loper was this idea of having a dream session about talking about what are the things that are important to us, not being practical, but saying in a perfect world, here's what it would look like. One of the things I, I always remember about what he taught us uh, was when he said, you know, we talk to people about when they want to retire and we're looking at a calendar and they might be looking at their watch. Yeah, we're using the right. we're using the wrong uh, you know measurement, and, and so we superimpose our stuff, the psychological thing called projection, on other people. We assume people are think and see the world just like we do, and that's so far from the truth. It's not the way it works, and so learning how to extract uh, that from people through a conversation about, Hey, what's important to you? What do you want to accomplish? You know, what, what are your dreams and aspirations? And then being quiet and letting them kind of sort through it is, is, is the way that, to, to get started. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but the, the being quiet part is often a challenge because I want to jump in with solutions or, Hey, have you thought about this or, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I think giving people, the quiet space to kind of think out loud is super powerful. Um, and and in, in some instances, you've probably experienced this too. You can almost see the light bulb go off over their head sometimes when they, when, when they connect something that maybe has kind of been under the surface for a while. It's, it's a really, it's a really cool. It can be a really cool conversation if you, you know, make the, make the space for it. So, so yeah, I, I think that's awesome. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. Um, since this is, Women's Retirement Radio, um, I'd love to just hear, broadly speaking, like when you think of the word retirement, Perry, what comes to mind for you? Well, for me personally, it it has nothing to do with what it was in the 60s or the 70s, right? This idea of you work 30 years and you get a pension and you quit and you never think about it again. Um, Because... uh, I have two separate businesses and because I'm able to decide who and when I want to work with uh, retirement for me is just managing my calendar so that I get to, you know, do the things that are meaningful to me and to continue to help people. Cause I mean, I, the, the interaction I have with other financial advisors is, is extraordinary. It keeps me sharp. It makes me think about new things and I have to think about, you know, what their perspectives are. So for retirement for me is simply uh, managing my calendar a little differently. But as long as my brain still works and my, my ears and my tongue operate, I, you know, I want to keep being involved in things. I think as, as humans, we want to be vital. We want to be vital in other people's lives and in, in the industry and things like that. So that's what I think about. And I think most of my clients have 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 done the same thing. They've tried to find outside interests. And the ones who are the most unhappy or uncomfortable are the ones who have not been able to find those outside interests, things they really care passionately about. Because as you get older, you, you can't play golf every day. Your body won't hold up to it. 
You can't do as many of the physical activities, you know. You can't travel internationally as much because it's just hard on your on your body, on your yeah. feet and your knees and your back. And, and so you, you, and you can't travel all the time. So there has to be this finding of meaning that I believe, in, and we've talked about this too, that starts way before you actually throw them the keys and say, I'm not doing this particular job anymore. I'm going to pivot and do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing you put it in those terms brings to mind for me, um, this, this, uh, almost paradox might not be the perfect word, but this idea or this concept that's so ingrained in so many people that you, and you kind of referenced it. Like the, I think the general consensus around retirement back in the sixties and seventies is you work really hard for 30 plus years, you retire, get a pension, and you hope to live another 10 or 15 years in, in relatively good health. And that's kind of the story of your life. Whereas, um, and kind of baked into that uh, more today, I think, is you work really hard. And then once you retire, you can really enjoy your life. Um, what I refer to as this kind of this whole deferred life plan. My question, and, and I know you challenge people in this too, is what, why not start enjoying your life now? Why wait until retirement? And, and hearing you put it in those terms, that's what I heard. You're you're managing your calendar so you can do the things that are important to you, that are fulfilling to you, both in and outside of work, um, with your family, with your friends. Um, I know you told me you just went through a uh, a um, how would you describe it a speaking uh, a speaking course, yeah, a our communications speaking, course, uh, communications course. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I just think it's so cool that you make time in your calendar to do things like that. That um, you know, bring you fulfillment beyond just a paycheck. Um, and so I, I think it's a worthy battle, but it's a tough battle getting people to kind of have a shift their mindset around what retirement is versus what it could be. Um, well, and, and you know, and, and again, this goes back to one of our mentors, but this idea that is your life today more or less valuable than your life 20 years from now. And there are so many people that are trying to pile up money for this future that they aren't sure of. And they're missing piano recitals and baseball games and things like that now because they're too busy at work. And, and I think particularly in the last couple of years, with the pandemic, people are, 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 are finding a new relationship with work to where they're going to be much more interested in managing their calendar now uh, and, and and instead of this creating this future that is uncertain because yeah. we don't look, we don't know you, know, you can wake up tomorrow morning and not make lunch. Right. Or you don't wake up tomorrow morning. Correct. And uh, so, and then, you know, the legacy you leave behind is what that you, you know, miss piano recitals and baseball games. Yeah. So. Yeah, I um, I never thought of it before. I just wrote, I literally just wrote this down when you put it in those terms. But I, um, you know, there's so much. Um, there's this idea of time value of money, but nobody thinks yeah. about the time value of their life. Um, yes. So um, I think that's a cool idea. Something that I'll I want to think on and maybe revisit at some point. Um, and, and, and continuing to try to get better. I, you know, I'm 62 years old, and. I'm still trying to learn more, get better, read, you know, different things. And yeah, I'm trying to be curious and trying to be open to new things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, well, I, you and I see the world, uh, you and I see a lot of things the same way, but I, I think that's just a great way to think about and live life. So um, yeah. 
So we've kind of talked about some of the challenges as well as the opportunities for uh, financial advisors and, and maybe more relevant to the listeners of this show, to clients and consumers. We've talked about, um, you know, your views on retirement. Um, I wondered, could you share maybe a client? So one of your wealth management clients, could you share maybe a success story that comes to mind, someone that you've worked with and, you know, maybe help them through a tough time or help them shift their thinking around, you know, planning or investing or, or as we were just talking about, maybe, uh, you know, living more in the present as opposed to planning to, you know, really live it up once they quit their job or retire. We, we could be here for a while, but um, <laughs> there's so many. Uh, give me one or two. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'll give you one or two. So I have a client uh, who lives in, in, in South Florida. And in 1999, sold his travel agency to American Express. Year before the internet took off. To say that that was a stroke of luck beyond imagination, uh, and it was it was a big number. And um, he wasn't my client then, and I got referred to him ten years later. So. Once he sold that business and had that big pile of money, he got caught up and wanted to be in the cool kids club. I want to own the right hedge funds. I want to own the right venture capital fund. I want to be involved with these private equity guys. He wanted to turn his his really big number into a really bigger number. Right. He got caught up in the competitiveness, which is which you pointed out earlier. It's not a it's not a competition. Not a competition. And so he turned his $30 million into $20 million over the next seven years from all his wanting to be in the cool kids club. And, and then he met me and uh, he said, every time I talk to him now, he says, I wish I'd met you sooner. I wish I'd met you sooner. He said, you're so boring, but I wish I'd met you sooner. (laughs) You know, uh, just get him out of this mindset uh, of it's a competition, being in the cool kids club, because those things just for the most part don't work. Reading Morgan Housel's thing recently about fat tails, and there there's some outliers that really do work, but for the most part, they yeah. don't work. Yeah, more more and, more is not a goal. No, more is not better. Amen. Better is better. Amen. Better is better. Yeah. Um, and so that that would be that that'd be one, and, and that kind of transcends a lot of people. They, they you know just trying to get them to focus on themselves. The other thing I think for me, it's far, far as fulfilling working with people is because I only have a certain number of clients. I manage my calendar. I can spend the time on the things that are meaningful to my clients when they need them. And I've had three of my couple clients have the had the husband die in the last four or five years. And just because women have longer life expectancies, I've been doing this a long time. That's going to continue to happen. And, and, and it wasn't so much the financial advising as it was going to the house and sitting with them and helping them bring the cable box back to Comcast or going through the files and get rid of old paper that is totally unnecessary. 
and getting signed on to their bank accounts online so they could see where everything was and put it in, you know. So it's not, you don't have to be very smart, but you have to have the time to do it. And in my previous life, I didn't have the time to be the kind of financial advisor that I have the time to be today. And it's much more fulfilling than, you know, chasing the, the, the next shiny object. Yeah. Well, and I would add on, not only do you need to have the time, but you also need to have the willingness and the interest. Because, right. because you and I both know advisors that, you know, if, if the husband passed away, that all, the, all they're interested in is when, when did the life insurance proceeds hit your bank account? Um, right. So uh, I think that, I think that's a great story about where uh, you specifically have been able to add value above and beyond the dollars and cents. Um, and that's probably super meaningful to those women that you've been able to help. Um, I, I know it has been when I've, when I've been able to step in and help with some of those things as well. Um, but I think it also exemplifies the, the opportunity. Um, and, and I'm not being definitional here or, or dogmatic, but I think the opportunity for um, people out there listening to think more broadly about your relationship with your financial advisor or advice source, whatever that is. So whether that's a broker at a big firm or a bank or an independent advisor like Perry or myself, um, you've only got one shot at life. So don't uh, don't settle for subpar advice or advice that's not really aligned with who you are and what's important to you, because there are a ton of great advisors out there, but you got to look for them. Right. And inertia, inertia is a powerful thing, right? Amen. People don't like to change, especially when they're under pressure and they they're emotionally you know, kind of wrecked. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and really it's not a great idea to make these big changes when you're emotionally wrecked. So right. do it ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't want to have dinner with your financial advisor, I'm not suggesting you do it all, all the time because they have their own friends and we have our own friends. But if you don't want to just be with that person and, ha- and listen to what they had to say and, and have them be a comfort in your life, they're probably not the right person, which is why, and, and this, I, I believe the future of our business for women is extraordinary because of their ability to connect and relate. Yeah. yeah. Well, and spe- uh, that's a wonderful segue. Um, we've, we've talked about a lot of things, uh, you know, you shared kind of your thoughts about retirement personally. What, uh, and you've actually indirectly kind of shared some thoughts around retire- uh, retirement as it relates to, to women. Uh, women who find themselves in a uh, widowhood situation. What what do you think are what do you think is the biggest challenge that women specifically face when it comes to getting ready for or transitioning into retirement for themselves? They haven't had any practice, and they haven't developed their confidence. <clears throat> the, you know the, the world of behavioral finance, which we all you know you, both of us you know really love and have done quite a bit of work on. Um, we know for certain that one of the biggest issues men have in the financial planning advice space is their overconfidence. They're overconfident in their ability to make good decisions. And then admitting they were wrong is completely untenable for them. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, And so that's their problem. Women, 
in many cases, because they haven't developed their chops and had practice, they haven't built up their confidence. And so they lack confidence in making in their decision making when their instincts are really good, but they just don't always trust them. And so they 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 struggle with the decision making process. Yeah. I think Could that's agree. the biggest. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think your earlier comments about taking the time to help um, clients generally, but women specifically, um, identifying and get some clarity around their values, like who they are as a person, what makes them tick, what, what's important to them, what are their priorities, and then translating that into their money decisions. I, I've, I've found, maybe you have too, that that's a really great way to help women get um, more confidence. And uh, while at the same time, uh, keeping things simple, um, I don't, I suspect you'd agree, but um, many advisors and, and frankly, many in, in consumers overly complicate their financial, personal finances. Um, I, I think most, mostly just because they think they need to, or their <laughs> friends doing it or whatever. I think, again, that's another way that kind of this idea of competitiveness or competition rears its ugly head. So I think the idea of bringing in the values piece, having some really rich, meaningful, deep conversations, making uh, making the time and making the space for those to happen, combined with a simple, straightforward approach, something you referred to earlier as, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, boring. Um, you know, our from my perspective, boring is beautiful in our business. Uh, it's yeah, when you absolutely. try to get too exciting, you try to get your entertainment value from your money. That's- Yeah, go to Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Go to Vegas. Yeah, the, the industry ha, ha, has done a tremendous disservice to the public by trying to sell the idea that complexity is what should be valued. When Da Vinci, I think, said, "You know, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication," and and yet advisors for sure feel like if they, if it's not complex, that the clients don't want to pay their fee and clients think complexity must be better because that's what all the big shots are doing. Right. And both cases are wrong, but the, it, it's one of the, uh, George Bernard Shaw, Shaw once said, eventually every industry becomes a conspiracy against the public. And, and, and that is where the financial services injury industry has done a disservice to the public. Yeah. By the idea that complexity is something they should strive for. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But, um, you know, if if uh, if our listeners out there take uh, nothing else away from our conversation today, I know there's great advisors uh, like Perry out there that are, that are doing the good work. And, and he's also trying to instill um, those uh, better perspectives and other advisors that he works with, too. Um, so as we kind of wrap things up today, Perry, um, if there were. One thing, uh, just one idea that our listeners could take away from our conversation today. What would you want that one idea to be? To, to, uh, to figure out a way to know yourself, to know what's important to you, what you want to accomplish. Um, and, and and to be um, bold about it. In other words, don't, don't limit it. This is here's what I want to do. Okay, let's let me help you figure out how we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, I think we're 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 
too many times we're, we're constrained by what other people's expectations are or what other people think or what we think we can or can't do. Cause we don't know. I, I had a, a client, you know, the days, you know, said a couple of years ago said, you know, I need to work for a few more years because I had a few years out of the, out of the industry and I, I got to play catch up. And I kind of ran the numbers and said, now, you know, that, your spouse gets social security as a spousal benefit is half of your benefit, your age 65 benefit. And uh, he said, no, I didn't know that. And so we plugged that number in that one number just kind of pushed it over the top where I said, you can quit today based on what you want to do. You can throw him the keys. And he was so conflicted by that because he thought he wanted to quit until I told him he could. Yeah. And then he had to deal with finding meaning in his life and what he was going to spend his time doing. And now he's got his dream job. He loves it. He's going to work a few more years, not because he needs the money, because he, what he loves to do. But his wife is now able to give money to the kids for their 529 accounts for their grandchildren, do some of the things she wants to do. So it's it's about opening up all this these things through just good advice yeah. know, and knowing what's going on. Yeah, I we could spend another hour just talking about the the psychology yeah, yeah. and that how that factors in and, and how we're often our own worst enemies, uh, especially when it comes to our money decisions. But um, I think that's a I think that's a great takeaway. I think that's a great example. Um, so so thanks for sharing that. And thanks for joining us today. This is uh, always yeah, enjoyed, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I always enjoy chatting with you. If uh, if someone out there is listening and wants to learn more about who you are and, and what you're doing, uh, maybe wants to get in touch. What's the best way for them to to track you down, Perry? It's easy to find me. Just Google Perry Chesney, uh, Atlanta. Um, I guess uh, PL Chesney at hc-adv.com be my email, my work email address. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll include some links in the show notes to your LinkedIn profile, your email address, that sort of thing. Yeah. If, uh, if people want to reach out, I'm easy to find. Well, I, uh, I'm I'm glad you are, and I know I know your clients are, are glad they they found you as well. So. Uh, Again, uh, always love talking to you. Uh, today was no exception. So thanks for joining us today, Perry. Thank you. And uh, thanks, thanks for listening. Um, this has been another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. And uh, I'm Russ, and we look forward to catching up with you on our next episode. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.